recognize this tune? Listen to it now. Sure, Jeannie with the light brown hair composed when P. Ballantyne and Sons was 14 years old. This is Ballantyne's 125th birthday. The best year yet to try Ballantyne beer. Come to the birthday blowout where you buy your beer. And if today is your birthday, happy birthday from Ballantyne. W.O.R. New York. programs entitled John Gamblin Revisited or Alfred J. McCann An Appreciation A Profile and A Statement How are you doing sport fans? It's not easy being a fan I understand that and I'm here to let you down just as easily as I can. Take care of you. It's all right. Never fear. I am here. I am here to shuck you right down to your BVDs. <laughs> oh, I've always had a feeling that when King Kong shows up on the scene, King Kong would raise his hand benign and say, Don't worry. It's only me. <laughs> see that ad recently for the vacuum cleaner? Full page ad in the Times that show the vacuum cleaner being operated by King Kong. It says, today's housewife. Hi, sport fans. <laughs> oh, life is rich and full. Well, it's certainly real. Well, life is. It's pretty hard to tell where the real starts. Rich Mulligatoni Stew. Ah, how sweet it is. To quote one of my confrères in this ridiculous silly business. Well, sport fans, are you ready to take a look at the forthcoming season? Wowie, that's it. Hit it right there in the nose. Uh, excuse me one minute here. <clears throat> uh, are you all ready with the gain in there, Ralph? <laughs> I will award you the Brass Vigligi with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm. If you can tell, <laughs> Ralph, with a pair of shades, that's grotesque. You look good on you, Ralph, actually. I will award you the Brass Figligy with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm if you can tell me what radio program used that as a theme. I will repeat it again. <clears throat> That's the Brass Figligy with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm. Uh, we're putting you on your metal tonight. 
And uh, I, I think, as uh, sport fans, that as long as we're all part of this fantastic game of existence, we might as well pick it up and put it down as best we can. Oh, Ralph, would you, speaking of the fantastic game of existence, would you please, uh, if you will, Doctor, just sneak it in there. Just bring it in there. Tonight, tonight, friends, we are going to salute something which rarely is given any credit in today's world. In fact, it is rarely appreciated for the savory, rich, wonderful thing that it is. And tonight, part of WOR's vast public service programming, we salute a part of life that rarely is given as much actual credit that it should get. Tonight we salute, and we hope that all of you will join us in this salute, of course. Tonight we salute trouble. Bring it up. Where would you be, friend, if it wasn't for rotten, stinky, gut-bending trouble? T-R-U-B-L-E. What would you be? You would not have those lines of character in your face. You would not have that wrinkled brow. Uh, you would have an unsullied look of a pure, honest to John sympathy. Yes, so tonight we salute the mother of us all. The thing that's made us what we are. Trouble. And our special Troublemakers 5 is playing the trouble theme behind us. Oh, that thing. Oh, I hear you talking, Daddy. Yes, WOR in its fearless public service policy once again looks at life the way it is, from it, and salutes it for what it is, which is raunchy. So, to those of you who have felt alone, to those of you who have felt unappreciated, to those of you whose life has been shot through with trouble and nobody seems to care much about it, we here at WOR Fearless, ripping aside the curtain of sham, the curtain of ridiculous hypocrisy, salute that which makes us all what we are. Trouble. Let's all sing it together now. Get those knees moving. Get that foot a-tapping, friends. And salute the thing that's most part of your life today. Trouble. Trouble, trouble. What would we do without you, trouble? What do you think history is? History is one long record of trouble. Going all the way back to the ancient wars that were fought on the shores of the primal lakes. Millions and millions of years ago, when the first caveman swatted the second caveman on the back of the air with a club. And it all started. Very good, Ralph. That was excellent. You played that very good. Certainly tell the pros, right? He's playing it at the right speed and everything today. And uh, got it on. Didn't have to wait till Wednesday like some guys. You know, we got one engineer here that I give him a cue on Tuesday, and by Friday, it sneaks into my show the next time he's working with me. <laughs> he's got a reaction time of something like 72 hours. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as speaking of uh, trouble, as long as we're going to salute trouble, it is quite true that the, that the things of which we are mostly made 
this poor, rotten old, crummy clay, this whole walking around clay that we all are, the things that make us, we rarely recognize for what they are. And I think the trouble is one of the great... Where would... What, for example, now, now, wait, now, don't, don't be... Don't, everybody thinks, oh, boy, oh, wow, what a funny concept. Ha, ha, ha. What a, fu- <laughs> what a funny concept. Well, now, let's take a look at trouble. Actually, the, the thing that we are discussing here. Where would literature be without trouble? Not the defense. Hey, listen, that's a good thing to do right now. Is there anybody got a dictionary out there? I would like to have a definition from the Oxford Unabridged, some really big, fat, juicy dictionary. I would like to have the definition of trouble, just plain trouble. That's one of those words you think you know, but you never look up. How 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 does uh, how does uh, English literature treat the word trouble? Uh, <laughs> where would the theater be without trouble? What do you think plots are called but trouble? And you know, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people uh, dig going to the theater a lot, is because they sense that their lives are so unimportant that they don't even have trouble in them. <laughs> you know, they just get up in the morning, they go to the John, they walk around, they eat Ralston. They get on the subway, they come down to the work, and they sit around there. The boss doesn't even threaten to fire them. It's a dull job. they got nobody yelling at them on the phone. You know, I suspect that, that one of the great things that people miss when they're fired, one of the, one, of the real, one of the real fears that guys have about being backed away from the trough is that nobody yells at them anymore. You really know you're in trouble at the office if you don't get memos. I mean, they just don't send them. So you just got nothing to say to you anymore, you know. And 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 I believe that one day there will be, there will be a, a service. You know how we have dial a prayer, we have services called uh, dial a minister. You can even in certain areas now. Of course, there's certain uh, sections of the country they don't believe in ministers or rabbis. And they they have a dial a psychologist. You can sure you can at three o'clock in the morning you dial him and he says tell it to me. That's all the voice says. It's on tape. Just spill it out. And you say, well, it all started with my old lady. It started, I'll never forget. I was only five years old. I was only five, six years old, I remember. And I came home from school one day, and my mother said, and the voice says, spill it out. Quick, you have 30 seconds. Your time is running out. Spill it out. It's the dial of psycho. <laughs> what? Not that that a while. Blow that thing, Ralph. Bring it all the way up. I'm gonna drink muddy water. Well, I'm gonna sleep with my feet in the kitchen, my head in the hall. Oh, muddy water. I was gonna drink muddy, muddy, muddy water. Ba 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 ba. Oh, it's a rotten, crummy life. I'm going to sit here with my peaches in the water. That old crummy river swirling around my ankle bones. And I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink my water. Ba-ba-boo. Very good, Ralph. That was excellent. That was a salute to rottenness. 
and um, <laughs> terrible. You know, uh, though we we must admit though that that uh, that your life it, it, the more the more important your life is, the more trouble you got in it. There's no question about that. Oh sure, what do you think headlines are? Liz tells Burton off, you know that kind of stuff. If you, that's an important life. Your life, who cares? Now the the uh, I believe that one of the things that people miss most when they are retired or when they quit is that constant gnawing. That gnawing of trouble. Sure, you know, the psychologists... Uh, now, don't laugh. Psychologists have have often noticed this phenomenon of a man who is, say, 60 years old or 65, something like that, and he's lived a hard, rough life, and they've been yelling at him on the phone for years, ever since he was 15 years old, and he got his first job. They've been yelling and sending sending memos down the pike, and they've been screaming at him and biting at him, and there's been people after him all the time. This great crowd of people behind. Do you, how do you see your life? Do you see your life as, as you walking along or running along or hiding in the bushes with a great avenging crowd behind you. Hey, you son of a gun! All right, come on! What are you going to get it in? Get that in! Get the report in! We're waiting for you! Come on, for Christ! You're holding everybody up! Is that the way you see life? Slousing <laughs> up again! Yeah, 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 that's me, that's me. Yeah, yeah, oh, come on, get off my back, all of you guys, please get off my back. Oh, wowie, wowie, get off my back. You gotta keep an eye on me, Ralph, I'm quick. Wowie, wowie, all these smokes. Oh, life is love, oh, wow, gee whiz, wow. Holy smokes, wow. Oh, wowie, it's trouble, trouble everywhere I look. Get off my back, all of you idiots. We're crying out loud. Oh, boy, if I could only get out of this place just once, if I could split. Oh, boy, what I want to do is just sit on top of a mountain all the rest of my life with a little wooden cabin around me. And I'll sit there and look at the birds. Oh, wow. I'll look at the boys and the birds. And I'll look at the clouds all day long. Oh. And behind this poor son of a gun, you can hear nothing but that ravening, that ravening mob. You're late again with a report, Charlie! And the phones are ringing. The people are yelling and the fists are pounding on the door. Come in, come in! Yeah, it's trouble. G-R-U-B-L-E. Trouble. Nothing but that old devil trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. boop ba ba boop boop Pursuing me everywhere I go. There ain't no place to hide, no place to go. Everywhere I look, every time I wakes up in the morning, and every time I goes to bed at night, there is nothing but the sound all around me of people yelling and howling, kicking their feetses. Nothing but T-R-U, B-L-E, trouble, trouble, trouble. ba 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 Gotta get that load off my back. Got to split. I'm gonna buy myself a retirement plan. By the time I'm 42 or whatever it is, says in the magazines, I'm gonna have myself a set of store choppers. And I've got. Oh. Oh, man. Speaking of trouble, this is W.O.R. Holy smokes. 
This is WOR AM and FM New York. Wouldn't you like to have a, a station signature that's really angry? You know, they have, they always have pleasant little ones, you know? WOR, your friendly station. You know, that kind of, you hear these singing uh, station breaks all over the, oh, there go, your station for news, well, I'd like to have a, I'd like to have a uh, station signature. I'd love it just once if some station had a sense of humor about it. If it's a W-O-R. <laughs> People in town that know about us, I'll tell you that. But, you know, I, I really seriously believe... Oh, before we do anything else... Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. A car needn't be old to smoke. Some cars start burning oil early. If your car uses too much oil, give it Prestone Oil Miser. Prestone Oil Miser is just what the name says. A miser for oil. Prestone Oil Miser stops oil burning, restores lost power, quiets noisy engines, cuts exhaust smoking. Prestone Oil Miser makes worn engines run quieter. Just add a can of Prestone Oil Miser to your regular oil. Insist on Prestone Oil Miser wherever auto supplies are sold. If your car's old enough to smoke, surprising how many cars are. If your car's old enough to smoke, get Prestone Oil Miser. That's wiser by far. Prestone Oil Miser is a product of Union Carbide. Uh, okay, now let's see. We have a little commercial here. Unusual news about an unusual new motion picture. It's called Nobody Waved Goodbye. And here at last is a real down-to-earth dramatic film that shows what teenagers feel and never tell, what parents see and never understand. It's a story of what's happening all over America, the story of privileged children, their desperate parents and the stone wall between them. What's happening on the screen is happening in Darien, in Great Neck, in the Bronx. It's what's turning ten millions of homes into battlegrounds. Today's children seem to be growing up so fast, marrying fast, and falling apart fast. Their confused parents ask, why? And the confused teenagers ask, why not? The name of this powerful picture is Nobody Waved Goodbye, and no parent, no teenager, nobody should miss it. On the same bill is Paul Anka in Lonely Boy, a fascinating featurette that looks deep into the life of a teenage idol. See Nobody Waved Goodbye plus Lonely Boy starting Wednesday at Lowe's Capitol and Murray Hill Theatres. And uh, it's about uh, insurance. And in, in fact, this case, it's about income insurance. And as you all know, that that problem is always there. If you get sick or ill or have some kind of an accident, you're liable to find yourself without dollar bills coming in. And yet the old bills keep piling up. So before sickness or accident robs you of income, should you become disabled, find out from First National Health Agency of Newark, New Jersey how you can qualify for Continental Casualty Company's new and unusual income protection. It's a plan that pays from $50 to $100 a week, tax-free, from the first day, and as long as you're disabled, even if it's for life. So you can find out, for free information, no obligation, from First National Casualty Company, call Judson 61600 in New York 
That's Judson 6, 1600 in New York. Call them right now if you want. Or if it's in Jersey, Mitchell 3, 3322. Mitchell 3, 3322. Uh, hello, Test. <laughs> Terrible person. But uh, I, I felt, though, that, that there will come a day. Now, I'm going to propose this for those of you who are thinking of going into a new rising business with our new silky world that we all live in. We live in a world that is composed largely of lanolin. It's silky, easy to manage. Uh, the computers are taking all the complaints. Do you know that they recently had a symposium here in New York City? And I have a, I have a piece here in, in my little file of trivia about it. They had a symposium, an important symposium that was held, was reported by the New York Times and uh, March 26, as a matter of fact, that recently. And it was reported by the New York Times. This is how silky and lanolin-like our life is getting. The title of the piece or the uh, column was Computers Test Lawyer's Skill. Seminar giving members of bar tips on how to cross-examine machines. In other words, if you have a machine, listen, this is a really interesting point. Uh, it says, uh, what if you have a machine that does all the buying for you? You know that in, in a lot of companies, machines uh, send out all the orders and make all the buying decisions and all that stuff. Believe it or not, today they're doing that kind of stuff. Well, if there's a shortage in the accounts, and if there's been hanky-panky at the crossroads, if somebody's been hunching a little bit, you know, on the on the uh, buying and all that stuff, which is often what happens, who gets up on the stand? That is a very new legal problem. And so now lawyers are being briefed on how to cross-examine machines. So there will be a day, very shortly, when a machine will be sitting there in the dock. And a Perry Mason will be walking back and forth in front of it. Do you mean to tell me that on the night... Of March 26th, you were sitting there in that air-conditioned computer's room, and you did not willfully, and with malice aforethought, connect yourself through the central switchboard using IBM, we have it here in evidence, using IBM self-hypnosis magnetic computer number 17 card, Series J. You did not use this card without getting previous, without getting previous approval from machine number 17, which is responsible in your department, and you willfully ordered 14 million carloads of Wheaties in the economy-sized packages, when the company had only use for seven boxes. What happened to the additional 17 and a half million boxes which you ordered? I would like to submit in evidence. No, this is coming. And so, what has this done to our life? Where are the people? Well, they're at home picking their teeth. They're scot-free. Why do you think so many people want computers? Because the computer makes you not liable. If the computer fires Ralph Schlegel, for example, Gift doesn't get yelled at. It's just the computer that it. If the computer sends Shepard's rating down the drain, you don't think for one minute that, that Bob Smith here is going to worry about it. He says, what are we going to do? We got this, this thing just comes up. It's a slide rule, Dad. We work by the numbers here. Well, of course, it could be a loaded computer. 
Now, this is this is all designed to make our life easier. It's flannel, silky. You haven't heard a good shouting, yelling fist fight in the office for years. Not the real kind, the kind that Scrooge used to have. You know, <laughs> opening the door and yelling out at Bob Cratchit. Now, they just don't do it any longer in the kind of silky life. And people have a fantastic hunger for it. And I say that the day is going to come when you will be able to dial a gripe. The day will come, you know, especially for out-of-work guys. You know, guys who are sitting at home and watching nothing but watching the ball games all day long and old movies. Hey, have you, have you had this, the, the, the sneaking feeling that somebody is playing a giant trick on you on the old movie scene on television? Have you had the feeling that they're playing the same ones over and over and over again now for the last month or so? What is it? Have they run out of crummy stuff now? Have they run out of junk? I almost said something more. Have they... <laughs> have, they uh, <laughs> have they run out of it? And they've decided that they're going to only play the same six movies over and over again eternally? You know that they found that slobs will watch no matter what they put on? That's the truth. That that the one of one of the awful things you discover when you work in a television station is that the klutzes will look no matter what is on. So ergo, it doesn't make any difference what is on. You know, it's funny. Have you read in the, in the paper? <laughs> it's a fact, and it really really burns you up, and you begin to realize some, something about the nature of man. Have you have you seen these pieces that poor old Jack Gould is writing all the time? and these various critics in the Times and in the Herald Tribune about the terrible state of television. Well, I agree that television is the world's worst junk. It's awful. But you know the one thing they never get at? These guys should get right at the heart of it and say, let's face it, 97.9% .9 of the world is composed of people with cabbage between their ears. An old cabbage. It is a fact. It is, it is discouraging. It is discouraging to realize that no matter what junk they put on, they get a rating of 78.9. doesn't matter. <laughs> it really does discourage you. And, and this, this seems to elude guys like, like Gould. They don't seem to realize that, 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 that there is a, is a giant shark out there in the darkness. Whatever that shark is, the people, there is a giant shark out there with fantastic stainless steel teeth who has an insatiable appetite, a voracious appetite for glop. Just anything. Glop. And it just, it's got big red-rimmed eyes, and it just sits out there and goes, uh. Anything you throw at it, goes, uh, blah, blah, blah. Sits out there. Blah. Have you wondered who really reads TV Guide? Who sits down there and says, gee whiz, <laughs> got to read about Ed Begley. Oh, boy, what an exciting story about Donna Reed. Uh, holy smokes, Dobie Gillis. Gee whiz, Dobie Gillis is coming back. Isn't that good? Oh, wow. Can you imagine there are actually people who watch Flipper? That's enough to make you worry. <laughs> there are really, there are seriously people who watch that endless golf game that goes on on television endlessly with those little short fat men with the, with the sweaters that keep hitting those balls around. 
there are guys who endlessly watch that and just sit out there. It gets to the point you can't tell one golf match from the other. It's always some $400,000 open. Uh, and they're just sitting there watching. Uh, on and on and on. Can you imagine people watching the seventh rerun of a bowling match that was played in 1948? in some crummy little bowling alley on the south side of Chicago. Have you seen that? <laughs> People watch it. Huh? Yeah, oh yeah, endless, endlessly. Uh, the roller derby. Yeah. <laughs> that, that People watch the roller derby. <laughs> this, this really, uh, this is a problem that has never been touched on by the critics. You cannot. Uh, I remember, who was it? Samuel Johnson once said. Or was it Johnson? Anyways, I, I think it was Johnson. Anyway, Johnson said, it is impossible to underestimate the taste of the mob. <laughs> And and now now on the other hand, Gould would would have us. He would say, "Well, yes, but you uh, you have a quote responsibility to raise the. Have you ever tried to raise an entire sea of mud? Have you ever tried to raise the level of the Atlantic Ocean by spitting in it? Have you ever tried to put jacks under the Pacific Ocean and raise it for about four feet? Have you ever tried to do that?" <laughs> Holy smokes! And it 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 really. After you watch after you watch this stuff hour after hour, you come back. I I remember one day, I came down to the station here. You know, um, a lot of people who write about TV and who who yell about it and who gripe about it, I I think are missing the point that mankind is in general a big, fat, hairy, sweaty slob. I'm talking about in general. This is the truth. That, that I, I, you know, when they talk about the evolution of man, it, it, the, it, the idea is, is always uh, given that we've all evolved equally. And furthermore, the idea is always given that mankind is all kind of equal. You know, we've all reached a certain point. Uh, but any good zoologist will tell you that the, all the gradations of, in evolution in any, any given species is noticeable. They can see this, you know, they, uh, that, that, that there are certain horses that are ahead of certain other horses in certain parts of the world. This is a fact in the evolutionary world. But we somehow think that all of man has arrived. No, I think that in any given group of 150 people, let's say 1,000 people to make it even better, you have some people who have evolved to 1965, and I'm talking about physically, mentally, and uh, just from the standpoint of civilization. You don't think for one minute that this guy with the sloped forehead, with the big heavy prognathus, the, the big jaw hanging down and his eyebrows are hanging over his eyes, you know, he's got these little beady eyes, and he's sitting <laughs> he's sitting in his cab over engine truck, and all he does is go, it's impossible to even understand his language. It's just a, a heavy grunt like that. Come on. Well, he is a hitter, you see. And and all you've got to do is give him a look. You know, to have you, there are some animals that if you walk through the jungle and you catch their eye, look out. The worst thing you can do is just catch their eye. They jump. They're afraid of this. Have you seen these klutzes? 
you go in the diner and here's this big clunk sitting there, you know, and he's got this he's got this uh, satin jacket that says 17th Street AC on the back, and he's got this flat and no neck at all, you know, his neck is attached to his ankles, and he's sitting there and his sloping jaws, no, he's got his arms are hanging all the way down to his feet, you know, and he's sitting there and he's stuffing in hamburger, ah, wow, he can't, they can feed him raw, they can give him hot, and they can they can burn him, it doesn't, he just he's ah, he's eating there, <laughs> and and his jukebox is going down, 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 down. down Playing the basic rhythm, you know, down, what the 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 down. The Beatles are going, yeah, 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 down, 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 down. This is all they can understand. So here he's sitting there, glopping away. You come walking in, and the next thing you know, you've made the fantastic mistake of catching this klutz's eye. And 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 he turns around slowly. You know, he's got, he's got reflexes like about like a like a hippopotamus. You know, he turns around. He goes. Oh, yeah, thank you for looking at And you're a star. There you go. There you go. You've just looked at him. You see, it's this, it's this little tiny pea brain that anything looking at him means D-A-N-G-E-R, danger. Oh, yeah, thank you for looking at Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, smart guy. And the next thing you know, you got a bunch of, uh, of teeth in your mouth. You know, all good. <laughs> well, this is the klutz. Now, are you trying to tell me that this thing has evolved as far as, say, uh, Dr. Oppenheimer will say, for example? Do you think he's a, on the same plane of evolution? <laughs> of course not. He's still back around, I'd say, around 12,000 B.C. Now, it goes way back. I'm not saying a little bit. It goes way back. Uh, I'm saying that some people have not evolved beyond, oh, say, around 4,000 B.C. or even before that, about 15,000 B.C. They got a kind of, yeah, they got a kind of stooped walk, you know, they walk around. They, they have not yet mastered the art of walking upright. Their thumbs don't work so good yet, you know. And they, oh, yeah, they, you know, they, they grab big cups with both hands, you know. Wow, well, I think you're looking at the smart guy, Mac. Huh? And their, their language consists of, of monosyllables. Oh, man, Mac. That's the way it's, I, oh, yeah, think. Look, yeah, Mac, yeah, smart guy. Well, this is the type of person who has a phrase, big words. <laughs> you ever heard the phrase, big words? Somehow, this is, a, this is a special lower level of humanity that talks about big words. Oh, yeah, think. Oh, yeah, those are big words. <laughs> big words meaning beyond the ken of the monosyllabic animal who, uh, who, you, who speaks in a series of truncated grunts. And, and, and modulated wheezes. Uh, this is a very early animal who's beginning to... We oh, yes, we can still see on the streets, Ralph, if you look carefully. You can still see the Neanderthal man. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, there is only one writer I ever read who wrote about this subject, and this is a guy who wrote out of England about five or six years back who talked about walking around the streets... And literally seeing, he says, as he walked around the streets, he could see the various ancient types of man still there and in their pristine... The only difference is they're wearing pants. Uh, and he said he could see the Neanderthal, he could see the Cro-Magnon man, he could, see, <laughs> he could see the very earliest man as he's beginning to evolve from the bivalve. <laughs> well, I used to date a Cro-Magnon girl, as a matter of fact. I'll never forget that, but... <laughs> you know, I, I wonder I wonder about what's the matter. I'm not talking about you, but uh, I, I I wonder I wonder just how the critic handles this.
How does the critic handle this type of person? No, hey, Peggy, I'm, I'm, I'm evolving. I am saying that the public... Peggy Fitzgerald just walked in here a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm taking issue with the critics here in a way... Uh, that, that they're constantly saying television is bad or radio is bad or the movies are bad or the theater is bad. They do not recognize how bad the public at large is. They do not know about that giant ravenous shark out there with the little red button eyes who has an insatiable voracious appetite for pure crud and cannot understand anything beyond crud. And in fact, is very angry when anything beyond crud is shown to them, because it is somehow a plot by the others. Uh, and and uh, oh, I I I uh, I've worked in this TV station long enough. I'll never forget one day, I came through the halls here. Uh, Jack Gould should have seen this moment. I came through the halls here, and I met Bob Smith, our program director. And he had a stunned look on his face, and you uh, you know, look a little confusion. I got this stunned look, and I said, Bob. I said, Bob, wait a minute, Bob. I said, I don't want to be a troublemaker here. I just don't want to be a troublemaker here. But I did an awful thing last night. He said, what? You know, he's always afraid of what I'm going to do. He said, what? He was imagining the FCC closing in and the old ladies from Queens forming in a big ranks and coming burning down 1420. He said, what did you do? I said, Bob, I watched Channel 9 last night. Now, I know that's unfair. Now, I know that I'm going to do something awful here, but for crying out loud, Bob, where did we get that movie? That movie was shot underwater, Bob, with a camera that didn't have any film in it. Not only that, it was shot by an elderly gentleman with a very advanced case of palsy, and furthermore, it was being acted by a large group of catfish. I could not comprehend anything about that movie, and I don't think it, it was not dubbed in English, Bob. It was dubbed, I think, in Serbo-Croatian. That voice just kept going, I could see their lips moving vaguely through the haze between the Preparation H commercials, which came on very clear and loud. And then it would go, and I could see those little flickering shadows. I knew there was a movie there somewhere. And I kept turning on the set, and I turned on all the sets. I had had 17 sets around there. And they, one of them was worse than the next. It was just black. Bob looked at me. He says, I know. I know. I said, but Bob, what about that movie? He said, Shep, I just got the rating on that movie. We have been playing that movie since Monday. It is now Friday. We have just topped our previous six months ratings. We are now number two at that time slot. I said, but Bob, who's watching it? He said, that's what worries me. <laughs> All I've got to say is, is that it, it is really scary to realize that out there in the darkness is this giant rhinoceros with its little tiny red eyes surrounded by its its by the weeds that it lives in. It does not know how to wash. It does not read. This monster speaks in monosyllabic grunts. <coughs> it's the guy. It's the million million people you see in the diners. 
It's those thousands of people in the three-tone cars. It's all those people with the beer cans up to their knees. It's it's the ones. Oh, I, I, all I. It's those it's those endless lines at the World's Fair. All those people still vaguely assuming their Neanderthalic slunch, waiting, waiting eternally for what? The carrot, the bird, who knows? Whatever it is they're going to devour. The people who have even bare, not even barely. You know, there are some people, Peggy knows about this. You know, there are some people who have not yet been able to determine differences in simple tastes who will gulp down a hamburger that's burnt that's filled with grease, that's cu- even with the paper on it, they eat it, you know. <laughs> Can't tell the difference in taste between that and, let's say, filet of soul. Can't tell the difference. And if given filet of soul, think that it's somehow uh, a plot against them, <laughs> that the better you make things, the more they're angry, the more they become incensed, the more subtle things get, that the more subtle, for example, you can see it in sport. Have you noticed the rise of the simpleton sport in our time? There is nothing more simpleton than bowling. Did you, you roll a ball and knock stuff down? That's all. There no, there's no subtlety to this. <laughs> None at all. Have you noticed the rise in things like demolition derbies, where cars run at each other and just blow each other up? That's all. Have you noticed the rise in automobile racing? There's no subtlety in automobile racing. Believe me, I have raced cars. And for all of this mystique that people give you, forget it. It's just a bunch of guys getting in and driving as fast as they can drive. That's the end of it. Have you noticed the rise in that kind of... Have you noticed the rise in such things as, uh, oh, uh, ski jumping? As a, as a, now, I'm not talking about as a participant sport. That's one thing. But as a spectator sport, it's a very, you know, nothing. It's just who can go the furthest. That's all. This is the kind of stuff kids used to do when they were little. You know, who can jump the furthest? Or who can throw the rock the furthest across the street? You know, that kind of stuff. This this rise in this fantastic kind of simpleton uh, drive, the simpleton jumping sports. Uh, I watched for two and a half hours. I watched guys skate as fast as they could the other day. Network, coast to coast, skate as fast as they could to see who could jump over the most barrels. Did you see that one? Network. Coast to They're running it. Woo! They fly. Down they go on their face in the barrels. The crowd hollers. Hooray! 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 The guy gets up and the blood is squirting out of his ears. And they interview him. They say, uh, Charlie, uh, the famous barrel jumper. Uh, Charlie's the famous barrel jumper here. He held the world championship. He jumped 49 barrels last year. And he just broke his jaw on the 74th barrel, making, trying to make a try at the world, world record. Charlie, do you think you're coming back? Uh, uh. And his teeth fly out. They say, what an exciting, thrilling event we have here today, folks. This is the wide, wide world of sports. We'll be back with the crash derby in just 30 seconds. These men are going to crash airplanes straight down to the ground to see whether they can survive. We'll be back immediately following this commercial. Holy smokes. <laughs> now, what are you going to do? Now, now I'm going to say this to, 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 the, to the critics. I'm going to say, you know, to the people who wonder why this junk is put on. What do you do when you're faced with that? What do you do, like, like poor old Bob Smith here, we put La Strada on, which is a world-renowned classic in the world of movies. It drew a rating, believe me. It drew a rating about like the police calls get on the radio. 
That's the truth. It drew a rating about like a, like our like our uh, like our pattern, our test pattern would get. And the next day we had something called Hercules' Son Unchained Returns, an Italian an Italian epic featuring uh, King Kong, uh, King Kong, <laughs> Manny Moe and Jack and Steve Reeves. Well, you never saw anything like it. Our rating went up like fifteen thousand times above last week's La Strada rating. Now, what do you do about that? How do you handle this? How do you handle the Neanderthaler in your midst? Who do you think is? Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to ask you a question about the race relationships. Have you seen any of those Neanderthal faces in those mobs? You mean to tell me that these people? And we keep trying to apply civilized laws to them. You know, like civilized people. Uh, on all sides, you see the rise of the Neanderthal sitting there with a slack jaw watching the roller derby watching the crash the crash demolition race sitting there grunting in his monosyllabic tones and I suspect that the day is coming when we will be able to dial it right to dial a trouble dial a complaint you'll be able to pick up your phone at any hour of the day and night and there will be a voice there to chew you out plan nice with cool cutting teeth just keep your knees loose friends and be careful don't catch their eye you catch the eye of the klutz and your lab will have a mouthful of teeth don't catch their eye especially at the subway or the diners